0: Welcome to The Will Evans Show, a podcast that is meant to teach you everything you did not learn in school. And today we're going to be talking about placectomies. And I'm going to coach you up. Let's go. So many of you are probably wondering what the heck is a placectomy? And a plastectomy is simply where you take a good pair of scissors and you cut up your credit card. That is what a plastectomy is. You'll hear uh, Dave Ramsey talk about a plastectomy. Back in the day, they used to cut up credit cards uh, with their collars, which is really cool. And it's just a way of saying, hey, I'm never going to use this thing again, obviously, that doesn't close the account. We're going to dive into that. But we're talking about living a life without credit cards. We've talked about on this show how you don't need a FICO score. You don't need to build your credit. You don't need to do any of that stuff. And so one thing to help not use a credit card is to have surgery and cut that thing up. So for example, on why credit cards can be the death of you. Not literally, but you will be drowning in debt with credit cards. Last year alone, I got an article in front of me that talks about how Americans paid a record $130 billion, and that's with a B, billion, in credit card interest and fees last year. And they say the bill could be even bigger this year. And one thing to note with credit cards now is another record is we have a record number of average interest that credit cards are giving you. And that average is 20.7 as of a couple weeks ago. It hit a record of 20.7% is your average rate for a new credit card. That's, what, that's, what, that's the offers you are getting. And so you got to look back to what it was In 2022, it was around, in 2022, it was 16.3%. And by the end of 2022, it it ended at 19.6. And now uh, coming, getting close to the end of 2023, we are almost at 21% of our average APR credit card offers. And you think about that, people that are putting stuff on a credit card, you got to think, you are being penalized 20% because you are choosing to buy something that you cannot afford. There's one thing we talked about on a previous episode. If if you cannot afford it, do not buy it. We got to use that smart spending goal that we talked about. And if if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back and listen to that episode where we talk about that uh, because it makes you more aware of what you're spending. And it's just a good philosophy to live by. If you cannot afford it, do not buy it because you can't afford it. And I would think that more people would live that way. But looking at how we are over $1 trillion in credit card debt now, which is another record number. So we got $1.7 trillion in student loan and 1 trillion in credit card debt, uh, Americans are drowning in debt. And so now when we look at the average credit card debt that Americans have for 2023, it each American has about $6,000 of credit card debt. So you got to think if you're if you're married That's a household credit card debt of $12,000 that you are carrying in your household. But it's funny that when I'm in conversation with people casually, you know, a lot of times credit cards get brought up with me. People are always asking my opinion. Why do I not use a credit card? Stuff like that. You know, everyone always says, well, I pay off my credit card. Well, statistically... Uh, almost 60% of people don't pay off their credit card every month and they carry a balance. So what does that mean when they're carrying a balance? That means you're getting hit with that 20.7% that we were just talking about. And when you truly th- sit back and think about that, anything you are buying is becoming very expensive and it's all because you, we as A society are not being diligent, and we are not managing our money properly. So, what what are the benefits? You know, people always they only hear about. Oh, I have to have a credit card for this. I have to build my credit, so I'm going to get a credit card. Stuff like that. What are the benefits of living without a credit card? So, here's my personal reason. For not using a credit card. And that is because I don't want to I don't want to be a part of that game. I don't want to be the one trying to play the credit card rewards game because in reality, the rewards, they suck. You know, you're getting one percent back. So to get a thousand dollars in rewards, you have to spend a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's a lot of money that you gotta spend to get a small reward. A thousand dollars doesn't change my life. And yet I got to spend 100000 just to get it. So when you think about your 1% cash back offer, it's really not that much. And so that's one of the reasons I have for not getting a credit card, for not having a credit card anymore and not playing that game. Another reason is, you know, we hear about the cash back. We hear about the airline miles, the hotel points, stuff like that. Where do companies get that money from? Well, a lot of that money comes from uh, people that are mismanaging their money. Someone that their budget is is not there. Uh, I, I've I've heard where you know if you think, hey, a single mom that's trying to support her family, she goes into credit card debt just to get by. You hear all that that is who is sending you to Hawaii. That's who is sending you on your vacation, doing all that stuff. You know, that, when you think about it like that, and I know that that is a very, uh, that is a kind of a a very hard thing to take in because, you know, you're, you're getting your rewards on the back of people that are struggling, you know? And so you don't, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want you to be a part of that. But again, the biggest issue with credit cards is that people say they pay it off every month and they actually don't. Almost 60% of you carry a balance and that's not okay. So here are the things that people say you have to have a credit card for. One, they say you have to have a credit card to build your FICO score, to build your credit score in order to get a house. False. You just do manual underwriting. We've talked about that on this show. Uh, You don't have to have, let me say that again, you do not have to have a credit score to buy a house. Well, some people say, well, I need a credit card for going overseas to travel and doing all that. That's not true. True. I went, I've gone to Mexico, I've gone to Honduras, I've gone to Nicaragua, all those places have taken my debit card, no problem. And if you're at a local credit union bank, most of the time, they are not charging you international fees. So that is a myth that you have been sold, or that is a lie you have been sold by credit card companies that, oh, you have to have a credit card in order to travel without getting hit with international fees. That's just not true. Well, some people will say, oh, well, I need a credit card for online purchases because it's more safe. It's safer that way. Nah, that's not necessarily true. You have the same protections under a debit card. And on Visa's website, when it's talking about fraud protection and everything like that, it states a credit or debit card. It's on the website. You can look it up. On Visa's website. So that is proving that that lie is wrong and that that myth is not true because you do not have to have a credit card to be safer against fraud because that's why when we talk about insurance, we need ID theft insurance because if someone were to steal our identity, steal our credit card, we can... Uh, we can handle that through uh, a restoration process and then obviously your bank, you're not liable for that money because someone stole your credit card or your debit, stole your debit card. You're not liable for that. So that is just a myth and a lie that you've been sold. Uh, and so another one is a rent a rental card. Oh, well, I have to have a rental card. Or I have to have a credit card in order to rent a car. That's not true. I've rented plenty of cars without having a credit card, and my debit card works just fine. Oh well, I can't rent a hotel without a credit card. I've rented a hotel with my debit card. Now you do need to do your due diligence and call and make sure. Say, hey, I I I choose to not have a credit card. I don't want to I don't want to play that game. I don't have any debt, don't do any debt. I'm going to be booking with my debit card. What's your debit card policy? Sometimes they put, uh, I think when I stayed at Hilton, I think they put a $200 hold on my card. And when I checked out, that money went straight straight back into my account. No problem. You know, and it, so, yes, you need to do your due diligence. But at the same time, it, it, you you can't say that you have to have a credit card to do these things because that's not true. I've done almost everything we've talked about and even when it comes to, I'm not in a house, but I'm in a process and I've been approved for a loan through manual underwriting and I don't have a credit score. So these are all just myths when it comes to credit card. And a lot of people I don't think know this. When, it, when you decide to have a plastectomy, when you decide, hey, I'm not gonna play the credit card game anymore, I'm gonna cut those bad boys up. And I'm telling you, that is what you need to do. If you want to get out of credit card debt, you're drowning in it, and you, or you don't want to play that game anymore, you need to get out a pair of scissors and go to town on those credit cards. Have a surgery. Cut those things up. Shred them. Do whatever it is. Get those out of your wallet because you know what happens if you keep a rattlesnake in your back pocket? It's eventually going to bite you. Same thing with the credit card. Eventually, you're going to get hurt because of how easy it is to just swipe that plastic when it comes to buying stuff. So go to town, own your credit cards, cut those bad boys up. And when it comes to, once you do that, you have to close your account. Obviously, you have to pay off the balance. So you pay off the balance and then you call the company, tell them you want to close the account And the biggest thing, get it in writing. Whether that's a letter in the mail saying that your account is closed or it is uh, getting it in email form, some form of writing saying that it's closed so that you know for sure that it is closed. They're not keeping it open because just because you have a placectomy and cut up your credit card, it does not mean the account is closed. Just means you don't have a card anymore. And obviously, if you don't have the money to to pay off the balance and you just put that in your debt snowball once that card or once that balance is paid off, then you go through the process of calling the company, closing the account, getting in writing that is what you are going to do with that and to to tie a bow on all of this, you know one of the biggest things that I love about this journey that we are on of seeking financial freedom is the peace that comes with, with all of this. Without ha- with getting debt out of our life, so much peace comes. When debt leaves, peace comes in. And that's one thing that Kendall and I have enjoyed the most about paying off all of our debt, saving for a down payment for a house, is that we just have so much more peace when it comes to our monthly budget, to our finances. We don't have that stress anymore of living paycheck to paycheck. We're not doing that anymore because we've uh, taken debt off of the table. We don't play the credit card game anymore. And so we have this peace. And it's I'm, I'm telling you, it's one of the best things you will ever do. And, and that's one thing I wanna challenge you I saw on Instagram recently of someone putting out a no credit card challenge. And what that looks like for either 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, do not use your credit card for anything under no circumstances. Do not use your credit card and just see how life changes. For most of you, nothing will change. And what that will prove is, that you do not have to have a credit card in your life to survive. Just try it. And I would even say, try it, cut up that card, close the account and just try it for 30 to 90 days. And if you wanna get another card, I can assure you they will send you another card because when you close the account, you know what it'll say? Oh, we're so sad that you're going, come back soon. And you don't want to be caught up in that. We are seeking financial peace, financial freedom, and we cannot have that when we are drowning in credit card debt. You're listening to The Will Evans Show. Hey guys, it's Will. I know this show is all about what you didn't learn in school, but for some of you, you need a little more personalized help, and that's what Evans Financial Coaching is. I specialize in helping people pay off debt and build wealth. If this is you, I've put my contact info in the show notes, so please reach out. I'm here to help you. Evans Financial Coaching, creating paths to financial freedom. Welcome back to the Will Evans Show. We have been talking about placectomies, cutting up those credit cards, getting them out of your life. You know, we've been talking about our goal in all of this is to have financial freedom and financial peace. And one of the things we need to do to reach that is to quit being weighed down and drowning in credit card debt. We talked about how it was the average person is carrying $6,000 of credit card debt. The average APR on that is 20.7%. That's not okay. And so we need to get those out of our life. I'm telling you, just give it a try of living without a credit card. And I I promise you, your life will not change. And if it does, it will be for the better because you will have that peace and freedom that I always talk about. And, you know, if you want to help me out on this show, you know, this is episode 23. So we've been going since June and it has been... Amazing to see all the support that I've gotten from a lot of people. I've met some new people through the podcast. If you want to help this podcast out, uh, can you hit the share button, uh, like this podcast on whatever platform, subscribe to it, leave a five-star review. You know, as always, we love five-star reviews. If you got a one-star, let's put it on the next podcast. We don't want any of those here. And so share it with a family member. Share with a coworker. Do whatever you can to help promote this podcast. I would, uh, I would love that. And you know, reach out to me. I, I want to hear from y'all. So do all of that because it just helps with the algorithm. It boosts this show. And you know, I have been with me, and he's the one that does all the mixing uh, of all the episodes. And today he has our question for us. Yeah, Will. So somebody asked. When would be the best time financially to get married? I have a full time job, but I rent. I was thinking I should at least get a place of my own before considering marriage. A wedding costs like 30 grand. That's way too expensive and more than half of my salary at 50K annual. Is there anything else I'm not considering? I want to make sure I'm good financially before getting married. Yeah, so I get this. I get a similar question all the time, like, hey, I'm in debt, but I'm going to be proposing soon. What do I do? Well, I'm never going to tell you to put off marriage or put off maybe having a baby in order to pay off your debt. That, I, you would just never hear me say that because I'm not going to tell you to put off your life when it comes to something like marriage or having a kid. Uh, in order to pay off debt. Yes, we're still going to work the baby steps, but what that looks like, and same thing with marriage, is we are going to pause the baby steps, pile up a bunch of cash. Now, when it comes to paying for a wedding, he's right. That the I think the last stat I saw, the average wedding in America was around $28,000, which is a lot more expensive than the wedding that I had, and Ben's getting married soon. It's a lot more expensive than the wedding he's having. And my wedding, I would like to say that it went very well. It was very nice. We had everything we wanted. And so when it comes to that, yes, we're going to be piling up cash to save for the wedding, but we're going to be on a tight budget. And we're going to be on a strict budget to if we say we're only going to spend $1,000 $1,000 on flowers, and some of you probably just laughed when I said that, but me and Kendall, we didn't spend over $1,000 on flowers. We were able to make it work, and we had flowers. We had arrangements. We had uh, all, the, all the bridesmaids had flowers. It looked very well, but we knew that we were going to have to cut somewhere because we just did not have the budget of $28,000 to have our wedding. So that is one thing you want to keep in mind. Yes, $30,000, if you're in debt and you can't afford it, I would say, hey, that is too expensive. And especially if you're having to pay for that wedding and you're only making $50,000, you definitely don't want to be spending $30,000 on a wedding because that would just be crazy. But when it comes to the baby steps, you're going to pause, pile up a bunch of cash, be on a tight budget, $10,000 wedding, uh, doing everything you can to try and find the best deals on stuff. I'll tell you, I think uh, Kendall and I, we spent in total with what we contributed and what her parents were able to contribute, we spent around $10,000. $10, to 12000 I think, is what we ended up paying for the wedding. And so that is, I think that is a perfect number. Obviously, it depends on where you're living. But, you are going to pile up as much cash as possible. And when it comes, I would not put off the wedding because you're asking, uh, is there anything else I'm considering? I want to make sure I'm good financially before getting married. That's not necessarily what I would recommend. I would recommend, hey, get married. Obviously, you want to do premarital counseling with your spouse to make sure that you're on the same page financially. Like, hey, you're wanting to, Work the baby steps, get out of debt, all of that stuff. You want to make sure you're on the same page. And once you are on the same page with finances, religion, kids, in-laws, stuff like that, then I think no matter what financial situation you're in, you can get married and then start working the baby steps together because then you're making 50000 Maybe she's making 50000 too. Now you have a $100,000 income to attack any debt you have. And now, again, I don't know how much debt you're in, but I would not put off a wedding or having a kid in order to uh, financially be ready. You're probably never going to get there because you never know what's going to happen. So I would just pause the baby steps, stack cash, pile it up, and then, after the wedding or after having a kid, then you continue the baby steps, throw all that extra money that you piled up onto to the debt and continue the baby steps and that is I think that is going to be the best way to have success in saving for a wedding and um, maybe it's having a kid those kind of go hand in hand because I get those questions all the time of. Oh, like, what do I do when I'm working the baby steps? Like, what baby step is that? Well, it's not really a baby step. You're just pausing it. And then after that, you are going to continue the baby steps. But as always, it's a big thank you to Ben for making the show run. And remember, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is The Will Oven Show.